Welcome to Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. My first guest needs no introduction. She's an Instagram expert, writer, photographer, and a coach. An inspiration to many, she's designed a life that works for her. Let's welcome Sarah Tasker. Hi, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, I think we'll be hard pressed uh, to find uh, people who don't actually know who you are, but just in case uh, there are some of those listening who, who don't know you, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm Sarah Tasker, also known as Me and Orla online. I have some very noisy budgies in the room with me right now. Um, I work to help people and creatives and small businesses tell their stories online. And that's mainly through Instagram, but also through things like blogging. Um, I have a podcast called Hashtag Authentic and I sell classes and things like that to help people build their presence on the Internet. Awesome. Um, Obviously, um, I'm aware that you've started your Instagram career all the way back in January of 2013. That's a whole five years of Instagram. (laughs) That's a long time. Um, What kind of prompted you to start the Photo A Day project? So I was at home. I just about started maternity leave. So my daughter was due kind of any day. And I was missing having a creative outlet. Previously, I'd done photography and I'd done a bit of blogging under a different name on a different site. Um, and wasn't finding the time or the energy to lug out my old DSLR. And back in those days when you had to plug it into your computer and wait for the pictures to slowly churn their way across. So I thought, I'm going to find something that's simple uh, that I can just do with whatever limited time I've got, limited energy I had. So it was a photograph a day with my iPhone, with the camera that was built in to do the best I could with that and to share it on Instagram as kind of a journey to map my progress, really. And it was just for me, it wasn't with any intention of growing anything at that point. Yeah, so um, obviously growing up, would you say, so you've mentioned obviously you did photography. um, Would you say you've always been creative growing up? I think looking back I absolutely was like I was always the kid making things out of old toilet roll tubes and cardboard boxes and margarine tubs but it's interesting that I never felt like the word creative applied to me and it was a real journey for me kind of from that early Instagram time to where I am now being able to say oh actually no creativity is part of what I do and I think it's part of what everyone does it's we all have it in us but a lot of the time school or the labeling that just happens in the world can kind of push it out of us and make us feel like maybe it doesn't apply to us maybe that word belongs to people who are more artistic or are more whatever we have in our heads for what they're meant to be so yes I think I've always been creative but maybe I didn't always realize it yeah that's so interesting I definitely relate to that because I've kind of grown up not knowing or or, uh, being in any way kind of inclined to to be creative really Um, and then it wasn't until my son turned one that I kind of picked up the camera and started learning and actually this kind of door opened into the world of creativity so to speak. That's so Um, interesting. Yeah. I think it happens for a lot of women having children can be a catalyst for that because you're kind of broken down into all of your little pieces when you become a mum and you have to put yourself back together again and and that's when you suddenly spot the the holes and the missing spots where you go actually I need to put something here that's something just for me yeah yeah it's really interesting isn't it it's um
and you're obviously a mum. Is Orla now at school? Yeah, she's five. She goes to a Steiner kindergarten, so the hours are not full school hours. Um, She comes home every day around quarter to two. Okay, so so I'm assuming you obviously try and work around that and fit work in before she's home. Yeah, it's always a juggling act. Um, There's a quote that I wish I knew who to attribute it to, but it says, women are expected to work like they don't have children and parent like they don't have a job. Oh, yes. (laughs) feel... So true. Um, so we, I mean, they try, but also she she understands that I work. Like we, we're lucky that we have a space that I can call my office in the house. That you know she's not allowed to come in in certain hours unless it's important. And um, my husband came to work for the business with me um, last summer. He was able to leave his job, so uh, it's now his job to look after her in those extra afternoon hours while I get on with things. So um, brilliant. So you have a, a support system, so to speak. You've got it sorted so that yes, finally. In the early days, absolutely not. I had those few hours while she was at school, and it was a real rush to get everything done. Um, so I've got the luxury now of a full working day, which is still quite new to me. Yeah, so what, what what was it like in the early days? Um, so, so you worked, obviously, when she was um, at school. But before that, did you just work evenings? How did it work? Yeah, so when I first started, when my kind of my internet business started to pick up, I was working for the NHS in speech therapy, so completely different. So did you, um, so after maternity leave, did you go back into the NHS? Is that I what you did? I did, yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I think that was the point where I started to think, I, I can't go back to doing this. Like, I don't want to go back to the nine to five out of the house. Yeah, I think, I think a lot, a lot of, of people, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yes, I was the same, yeah. Um. So I was looking around, like I was in that mindset of where, where are my opportunities? What, what can I do and this presence on the internet started to build but I had to go back to work it wasn't at a point where it was making any money I mean back then you're talking about like a time before influencer marketing was even really yes, of course. concept yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went back to work and then we moved quite far out into Yorkshire but I was still working in Manchester so I was commuting an hour and a half a day and then spending like precious snatched hours with all uh, and then staying up until about 1am trying to get you know blog work done maybe some sponsored posts it was it was all kind of a bit chaotic in that way that when you look back and you think I don't know how I did it you kind of just get through because you know that there's an end result that you're trying to get towards absolutely no I remember those early days as well and I used to put in a lot of evenings um in fact I mean some weeks it was most evenings I'd stay up till 10 11 um having worked um a a desk job in the daytime I'd then get back to the computer in the evening after my son's going to sleep and yeah it's it's um it's tough (laughs) I was fueled by red wine and chocolate (laughs) I think I gained about a stone in that year just in my like red wine and chocolate fueled binges of the evening (laughs) (laughs) well it's needed to keep you going sometimes Yeah, definitely. So do you have any tips for mums who are kind of out there trying to successfully juggle uh, their careers at motherhood? And particularly in those early days, as you say, obviously, early days weren't quite as um, easy as well. I'm not saying it's easy now, but obviously it was a lot harder, I think. Yeah, I mean, one thing is, I think that we so often, especially as women, we give 100% to everything we do. So we want to be 100% there for our kids, 100% turn up at our jobs and do the the very best and then devote 100% to our side hustle or whatever it is we may be trying to build. 
And what ends up happening is you just burn out because you can't possibly be in three places 100% at once. So kind of, I, I think we don't talk about it enough, but that you can give a little bit less of yourself sometimes. So maybe it's, you know, you turn up at your job and you do everything that's required of you, but you don't go that extra mile. You save a little bit of something back for you. That means you've got something left when it gets to the evening when and you're working on the thing that's for you. Um, the other thing that is so essential is your support network like you can't do it on your own and whether that is maybe you have a partner a husband or maybe you're on your own and it's you're relying on family or friends but you need people around you who understand what it is you're trying to do and believe in you and who will kind of pick up the slack when you can't do things so my husband was always amazing he'd do all the all the all the washing and he'll he'll do all the hoovering and stuff so that I can keep going and get the work done so you could concentrate on on your dream of of making it work exactly and it's something actually I talk about quite a lot with clients when I talk kind of one-to-one is a lot of the time we feel like these dreams we have especially if they're kind of related to the internet or creative dreams they're hard to convince other people of and I think that can be one of the biggest barriers if you have a partner who doesn't understand who doesn't really see what it could be and thinks that maybe it's just a bit of a pipe dream um, they're less likely to give you that support you need but if you can get them on board to what it is you're building then it can become a much more reciprocal partnership yes absolutely but it's hard uh, i think at the beginning in particular sometimes you yourself don't exactly know where it's headed yeah. so yeah. It's, it's hard isn't it to actually convince others that this is going to go somewhere i just need a bit of time to work it out definitely and and it's hard to find that conviction and that courage um so it's those early days are actually the hardest but I think sometimes there's something magical in them as well where you just have that gut sense of I have to do this and that carries you through it's that fire in your belly that yes yes yeah um so you've talked about self-doubt a little bit on both of your blog uh blog and your podcast um, would you say people are surprised that um, someone as successful as you has to still kind of deal with self-doubt? I think we all have this lovely dream that one day you'll get to a certain point in life and all the self-doubt demons will disappear. Mm. I certainly did, still do, still do have that thought. If I just get this, if I just had... Still hoping. <laughs> a, yeah, 100,000 Instagram followers, then I wouldn't feel worried anymore. If I just had x amount of money coming in a month I'd never feel worried anymore but of course what actually happens is the goalposts just keep on moving there's always someone ahead of you there's always something to worry about there's another goal you're chasing yeah exactly and even just things like I mean yes I am so fortunate that I don't worry about money the way I used to you know those those months of thinking crap how are we going to pay the mortgage Mm -hmm. thankfully are not happening for us anymore but now instead it's the fear of oh God, this, you know, this horrible email's come in from this angry person on the internet who's decided she wants to tear me down. What if this works? What if the whole business crumbles and my husband's going to be unemployed and I'm going to be unemployed? And that fear, you know, there's more to lose. So the fear and the worry kind of, it follows you around wherever you go, I think. It does a little bit. And obviously, because you're both working on, in the same business, it, there is a, a risk associated with that, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. There's risk in everything. And um, that's certainly not a reason not to do it, but I don't think I don't think it's something you can ever outrun. I don't think you can ever outrun your own self doubt, and all you can actually do is stop and confront it and kind of look at what's at the heart of it and 
and learn how to cope with it and kind of recognize it when it's coming up for you. Yes, it will learn how to deal with it. Yes, you're yeah. exactly right. Um, so you've, you've mentioned that you've um, decided to go to, to get a coach. Um, was that um, to help you with self-doubt? Yeah, so I work with a coach called Sass Petherick who specializes in self-doubt. Um, I've also previously worked with a coach called Jen Carrington, who's now a friend of mine. Um, so yeah, so I, I follow her along as well on Instagram. Yeah, so actually I invested in Jen really early on. I think um, right back, I'm trying to picture the dates. I guess it was probably a year after I started. So after a year, I had a good Instagram following. I had readers on my blog and I kind of had that sense that it could be something, but this was back at the time when I was still working for the NHS and doing all those other things we talked about. And that was when I first kind of scraped together this money that I didn't really have to invest in some coaching with Jen. And then now I'm on kind of a regular coaching schedule with SAS. Um, I just think it's really, if you can afford it, it's a really valuable thing to have somebody who you can talk to, who understands what it is you're doing and who can kind of give you an outside perspective on stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's. I think it's still a relatively new concept, um, at least in the UK. I feel I don't know whether you agree with that. Yeah, I we're not very good at this kind of thing. We see it as being a bit self-indulgent. I think. Yes, it's yeah. <laughs> we don't like to talk about our problems in the UK, do we? It's everything should be uh, kind of kept hush hush. But like, there's so much power in in talking. There's so much power in kind of even just putting something into words to somebody who you know they're not going to judge you and they've not got their own agenda they're there to listen to you and then they can give you either some exercises or maybe some feedback or just a different perspective um it's kind of like not quite therapy but like therapy for your business yeah and I think obviously um talking through your problems allows you to kind of sort it out yourself sometimes doesn't it it's just kind of laying it out there kind of makes you see it clearer I suppose in a way definitely like and of course you could talk it through with friends so if you if you can't afford a coach at the moment if you're not in that position then yeah talk it through with friends talk it through with family members but not everyone will always have someone who's in the right frame of mind and I certainly found that like I could talk to friends but they don't necessarily understand my business I'm now at a point in my business where a lot of my friends are kind of working at a slightly different level and I feel like it's awkward sometimes for me to talk about things or sometimes there's that fear of competition you know there is yeah no absolutely as 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 good as friends you can be uh, yeah absolutely especially obviously if you're working in the same kind of industry Um, exactly so a coach can kind of free all of that up and give you and plus you know they're very trained professional people who've got tons of experience so they can often help you come to solutions you'd never have figured out yourself yeah absolutely and how long how often do you do you have your sessions now so I speak to SAS we probably speak about once every two or three weeks and we do it by Skype no video we just talk (laughs) and she sends me the audio after each call which I try and listen back to in the week in between and that again is really powerful because you hear yourself talk about it in your own words oh that's interesting yeah yeah it is interesting like how much more you take from it the second time um, and then you've got those for life as well. So I like sometimes just listening back if I'm struggling with a particular issue, I can find the call that relates to that and uh, give it a play. Oh, that's great. That's really useful, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, brilliant. Um, you mentioned your husband coming to work for you. Um, so that happened last year. When did you decide it was kind of the right time for him to join you in your business? And what does it? what is it that he does um, within the business? 
I call him my girl Friday, which (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure he likes. Um, So he kind of picks up the slack on things like emails, admin, bookkeeping. And of course, he takes all up of those extra hours, which gives me more time to work. Um, It was really he was working in education. He was a deputy head teacher and he'd been doing that for over 10 years and, and was getting quite tired you know uh, people who know about the education system in the UK will know there's an awful lot of box ticking and paperwork and hoops to jump through these days and a lot of the joy has gone out of it so I'd see him getting up in the dark in winter at 6am drive to this job that I knew was kind of sucking the life out of him yes and obviously being being away from you and all it as well yeah and he'd come home at seven just in time to say goodnight to all her and I was looking at hiring people for my business and so we had that conversation of maybe maybe it should be him maybe we can do this as a family and I, I do say to him like on paper I, don't, I wouldn't have hired him if he'd applied for the job he's not got the <laughs> skills he's we, we still wrestle all the time with me just trying to explain the basics of technology to him but he's got a great manager managerial mindset and it, it's just wonderful to be a family like we get to spend every day together if we decide on a sunny afternoon to go for a picnic and there's nothing in the diary then we can just load up the car and go that's amazing yeah yeah, it's a freedom that I think we all dream of strive towards absolutely yeah so it's just such a privilege to have it no that sounds yeah I think that sounds like something that most people would be working towards having that freedom and flexibility just uh to do as you just said yeah just if it's a sunny day you can just go out and enjoy it and not be bound to the desk yeah and that's the thing about this job is you can do it from pretty much anywhere in the world I mean I put that to the test over the last couple of months I went to Australia for about a month um and discovered that wi-fi in Australia is not great once you get into the rural areas so (laughs) that didn't quite work out but I mean pretty much anywhere you know you can go so sometimes we'll all go to the park but I'll sit there's a little cafe in our local park with wi-fi so I'll sit there and do some work while they go and play on the playground and yeah, you can kind of, you can build your working week around your family instead of the other way around. Yeah, around your life, yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. Um, So you've mentioned Australia, I was going to ask you about that. Um, It was my open kitchen, was it, that you went to speak Yeah, so it how, was. How did that come about? So Sophie, um, I think she listens to my podcast. I think that's probably how she first discovered me. Uh, Sophie runs My Open Kitchen, which is um, for providers and farmers mainly in in Australia who are making gorgeous, bespoke um, artisan products. So like maybe beautiful cheeses or wonderful juices. And because Australia is so huge, and everyone is so spaced out she's found this way of connecting everybody bringing them together and also teaching them about how they can use social media to tell the stories of these amazing products that they make and and increase sales so there's that element there's also lots of creatives and bloggers involved and Sophie brought them all together at this amazing old convent in this beautiful town in Australia it was autumn there and all the leaves were golden and brown and we sat in this converted old chapel and everybody just shared their knowledge and it was wonderful that sounds incredible it was it was really magical yeah that sounds amazing so um obviously that's not that wasn't your first uh speaking engagement was it you've been doing quite a few recently yeah no I've been doing them for a couple of years now um 
kind of figuring out my own comfort zones. But I was keynote speaker there, so that was one of the bigger ones. Um, but it was a room full of really like-minded people, so it didn't feel too intimidating. I was going to say, yeah, how, how did it feel? Were you nervous going into it? Yeah, I'm not a natural public speaker, um, so I'm fine in kind of panels and conversations, but I didn't get into doing what I do because... I wanted everyone to look at me. I mean, yes, yeah. uh, I was hiding behind the lens um, more than anything. So I've got a passion about sharing what I share, but uh, I sometimes wish there could be a screen <laughs> that I could hide behind. <laughs> yeah, just something to take the edge off. Yeah, but it's a skill like anything else that you can learn. And in fact, just this morning, I got an email from um, a university and they want me to come and speak to their degree program on illustration they want me to talk to them about social media and opportunities like that I always think you can't say no it's such a exciting thing to go and do when it's a really nice way to connect with people so absolutely and you and you travel with the whole family don't you yeah so we all went to Australia all three of us um I wouldn't have wanted to be away from Ola for that long and I get a bit of travel anxiety to be honest so it was nice to take my little support squad with me and then we got to see a bit of Australia together as well. Exactly so it's kind of um, business and pleasure. Exactly best of both worlds. Yeah absolutely and how does it work with Ola's school are they happy for for you to have that time off? Yeah, so because it's an independent school, so Steiner, for anyone who doesn't know, is kind of a slight alternative education system. Um, so she's in kindergarten there until she is nearly seven, so oh, following okay. the European method. So we can just take her out while she's in kindergarten with a letter to the trustees explaining what it is. And I do think, like, what a child learns on a trip to Australia. I mean, the, we, she saw kangaroos just, like, a couple yeah. of metres away from her. We saw wombats. We saw, like deer running wild she, she learned such a lot about herself and about resilience and about different cultures and just all sorts of things from that trip that yeah, I always I, think educational value in in different things I absolutely agree I think um it's tricky for parents in particular obviously going away during ha- during the term um it is kind of not allowed anymore but actually mm-hmm. I, I do think it's so valuable isn't it for kids to travel it, it's kind of absolutely and like we know both sides of it because of course my husband used to work in education so we know that really it's just about ticking that box with Ofsted and the the school themselves aren't really the ones holding the kids hostage either no of course not yeah no I appreciate that as well but it is a it is a difficult thing because it's also different schools can set their own policy really and they could decide to make it okay and some don't so yeah, it's tricky, but yeah, it's great that you got to go. It's it's amazing. So, um, tell me a little bit about obviously. So, speaking engagements are kind of part of your overall income, I suppose. Um, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. But you also um, sell online courses. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so I have three main online courses that I sell at the moment. I have my signature Instagram course, which is called the Insta Retreat. And that runs about once per season. So spring, summer, autumn and winter. And that's the big Um, one, isn't it? Yes, that's the big one. And that's, um, I have a healthy waiting list on that one. And it tends to sell out in about an hour when I put it on sale. That's incredible. And how many spots do you uh, allow per term? Well, we're playing around with numbers at the moment. So um, in this recent class we've done, we just did 80. Um, we're trying to find a sweet spot because you want there to be enough people that everybody can overlap and kind of find someone that they connect with. But you also want there to be enough of a sense of community that people can see familiar faces. So it's always kind of a mixing pot. We try more, we try less. But at the moment, we're trying around 80 people. 
Um, I also have two smaller courses which run seasonally. One is called Bloom and Grow, and that is all about using florals as a bit of a hook to get people engaging with your photography. And one is called Gloom and Glow, and that is about kind of the colder months and winter photography and telling a story when the light's not great and you maybe need your creativity a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about how your, obviously your blog grew as your Instagram grew, I'm assuming. Uh, but what was the kind of process that you went through from um, having perhaps some sponsored content on your blog? How did you start kind of growing the business side of things, I suppose? Yeah. So when I first left my day job, I, my aim was I needed to be making enough from my blogging and Instagram, etc., to match my previous monthly wage. Yeah. Um, and so the majority of that was coming from sponsored content from sponsors sort of combination Instagram and blog posts. I was kind of one of the first people doing Instagram influencer work in the UK at that time. That's but very what exciting. I was, yeah, I mean, I can remember on my lunch breaks at the NHS, I used to Google influencer agencies. And back then there was about six. And right. I would eat them all and be like, put me on your books. And now if you do that Google search, it'd be like... I don't know, like thousands. Yeah. So, so, so you had to reach out to an agency because I, I don't actually know very much about the kind of influencer world at all. So, um, um, well, work was coming my way and it was being pitched to me. Yeah. But in order to get enough to kind of meet that goal, I was, yeah, I was absolutely pitching as well myself. Um, but what I was finding was it was very kind of, I was just very dependent on work coming to me. You kind of sat there waiting for someone to come and put an offer in your inbox. Mm. And there's not an awful lot you can do to speed that process up. And I also found I was having to say yes to sponsored work that maybe didn't feel like the right fit for me, the right fit for the voice that I'd built because I needed to pay the bills. Yeah, of so I had a bit of a rethink before I quit my job. And that was when I started offering one-to-one Instagram mentoring for people who wanted to use Instagram as a platform to tell their story but weren't sure how to get started. I put that on sale for you could book so many Skype calls with me, mm. kind of like coaching. Yes. Um, and so I did that for uh, for about two years, I think. Um, and meanwhile, I had this idea that I was going to write it into a class. I kind of, the class was always the plan, but I felt like I needed to have those conversations with real people first and just figure out what it was that they were struggling with and what the real questions were um, so that I could bring it all together in kind of a one-size-fits-all format for the class. Yeah, of course, as you talk to people, I'd I'd assume you'd kind of come across some common threads that people... Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And of course, within that, there's obviously a lot of room for manoeuvre. So that's why the class has, um, you can ask lots of questions. We have live question and answers time with me. And we have a Facebook community where people can talk to each other because there is no one size fits all. But it became really clear through doing those coaching calls. that Actually, I was repeating so much of the same content. So that was when I knew I was ready to turn it into a class that I knew would be really high quality. And at that point, there were really no Instagram classes online. It wasn't really a thing e-courses were not the thing they are now so it was kind of a bit of a uh, leap into the dark that I think a few people kind of were watching me going what is she doing <laughs> well that's amazing but you saw kind of an opportunity um and you just went for it that's that's really inspiring yeah I mean it was really driven by this this nerdy passion for this, all the stuff that I have and I was like I, I want to tell people like I want people to understand how possible this is like it's changed my life it could change your life and and that's what I wanted to get across so that was why I first started writing the class and that's still kind of the message behind everything I do 
so when did you start writing the, the class and how long did it take you to actually complete um, and fully write the course before you were ready to sell it was oh, it took a good few months of writing mm. I mean I had a wall covered in post-its in my living room for about six months of the year while I planned and arranged it all and of course Instagram never stops changing especially now it's constantly in change so the course never stops being written I'm constantly rewriting it all of the time um going back in and and changing it and reshuffling it and occasionally giving it a total overhaul but everyone who signs up gets lifetime membership so they get access to all the future versions of it as well so the plan is that hopefully they'll never need another instagram course it's kind of a ongoing uh process yeah that's amazing and who would you say your clients are um is it kind of makers or who who is it there's a mixture of influencers and bloggers, yeah. um, people who maybe want to just have a creative voice online. I'm so sorry, my birds are going crazy. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, so it's mainly a mixture of kind of influencers, um, bloggers, people who are trying to find their creative voice online, and also, yeah, lots of small business owners, so maybe they're makers, or uh, maybe they sell other people's products, or maybe a service-based business. Um, so there's kind of a mixture, but they tend to be a like-minded kind of person. We tend to have a lot of fun together because we've all got certain things in common. So, so it's not just products, so, uh, product um, businesses, it's services as well. That's Absolutely, yeah, because I'm a service-based business, really. Oh, of I mean, course, my yeah. product is an e-course, but I, I absolutely believe that Instagram has uh, a, real, a really powerful space for everybody, for whatever it is you're trying to sell. So, uh, yeah, there's a real mixture in there, and we kind of – that's part of the reason for the size of the intake so that we can then section everybody up into smaller groups as the course goes on you can talk to people who do similar things to you oh I see so you kind of group people into to smaller um groups yeah and then they, they kind of go on and that's one of the things that people keep right after the course is they, these lovely friendships that they've made with people who are kind of similar similar model maybe or similar industry Oh, that's amazing because obviously uh, Instagram's great for um, growing a community anyway, but obviously you're facilitating that even further um, with, with those groups. That's really lovely. Um, yeah, and it can be hard to get started, I think, on Instagram now because it's so big. It's hard to find your little support squad. Yes. So it's nice, nice to kind of have a ready-made group of people you can just turn to. Yeah, like a little Kickstarter yeah exactly no, that's great um let's talk about the new kind of exciting feature that's just launched on instagram uh which is igtv yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on it it's exciting um i think it's a really savvy move by instagram they're obviously trying to take on youtube yes um and for anyone who's already got an instagram audience it's going to be a lot more tempting than starting from scratch on youtube because you can automatically share it with your established audience instead of having to you know be one of millions in, on youtube who are just trying to find someone to watch that's so true and obviously it's so very brand new um that you've kind of you've got your, you know your chances are pretty high i suppose at, at this yeah stage. it's a small pool it is so you you are a bigger fish automatically, <laughs> or some sort of mixed metaphor there but yeah so it's now is a great time to jump on if you're making video content um that you want to get shared but I also think I know a lot of people are feeling like oh my god this is another change to Instagram I've just about kept up with stories or I just want to do photos and this is too much so I don't think it's essential like if it's not for you that's fine. You're not going to be penalized. You're not going to be held back. People keep on saying this has been hammered into us for years now that video is the future and everything's going to be on video. But I do still believe there's always going to be a place 
for the still image and for those of us who maybe want slower storytelling or I don't know about anyone else but when you've got kids I I can't listen to videos like if I put video on my phone she'd be on top of me looking what's this mommy what are you watching trying to listen with you yeah yeah well the, and the only time I really get to scroll on my phone is in bed at night well my husband's maybe asleep next to me so again I can't be watching videos with sound on so for me I'm much more of a text and photo person and I'm sure there's other people like that out there as well so don't feel frightened if it's not for you but equally if it is for you then hooray jump on in so I know you've shared um, a video on there already. Are you kind of planning to take that further or are you going to stick to kind of stories in your grid? I think I'll have a dabble. One of the things I really, I'm always really keen to do is try stuff out for myself because I think I can't teach other people. I can't tell other people how to do it unless I've actually really tried it myself and yeah. figured out what the problems That's are fair and enough, yeah. all the hurdles. So I'm always quite keen to give things a go. Um, and I've got video content kind of planned or I've got a bit of a YouTube channel. So it's not a huge leap to start doing stuff for Instagram TV. Um, I like the creative challenge of it. I like that we don't know where it will go and we might see really interesting stuff emerging on there. Um, but whether it will become my main thing, I don't know. Mm. Um I know obviously a while ago you did the talk to the camera challenge uh, which was a great success and actually it encouraged me to start being more active on stories um, and, and trying to talk to the camera which was a challenge definitely uh, to begin with and I'm still actually working through it it's not um, it, it's still tough I find it um, it's quite strange still I think yeah yeah it is to. a strange thing that we do yeah um, do you think that it's important for small businesses to kind of show the face behind the brand? Yeah, and that doesn't have to be talking to the camera if that absolutely terrifies yeah. people. Um, there's all sorts of ways to do it. But I think be mindful that you don't appear like an invisible human in your own feed. It can be really really common if especially if you're kind of you're taking the pictures yourself you're never in them and you can be just invisible in your own business but the fact that you are a real person is the biggest strength you have over the big competitors P people buy from people um, that's such an old adage isn't it but it's really true it's those connections it's that real human connection that that means people care about what you do that they believe in what you do and that they trust you ultimately to invest in whatever it is you're selling or offering. Um, so it can be as simple as just having some nice pictures of yourself that you drop into your feed now and again so people know what your face looks like. It can be you talking on the camera and stories sometimes or maybe doing some kind of demonstration of your product or holding things up or showing you wrapping things for posting. There's all sorts of different ways that you can kind of work it in that might feel more comfortable to you. Um, I just think as well, as women, we are so hyper aware of our own image and so many of us are terrified of having our picture taken or hate seeing other people's photographs of us. And there's kind of some power in taking a little bit of that back and saying, I'm going to control how I appear on, on this and I'm going to be seen and I'm not going to hide away because I don't think I look right. I don't think I look enough like a Kardashian or whatever it is those voices in our heads are telling us just kind of giving ourselves permission to exist as we are and be seen in a way that feels comfortable to us. Yeah. And of course, yeah. when you don't get rejected by all these people on the internet and everyone's lovely, that's actually really healing. I suppose so, yeah. It's very uh, encouraging. Um, yeah. 
no one's ever as mean about us as the voices are in our own heads I find no that's so true isn't it I think we've all got little hung-ups um about the way we look or the way we sound or any of these things yeah exactly Um, but I think it's just about pushing past that in a way and and just yeah going for it yeah and that's what the talk to camera challenge was really about it was about saying if you have no interest in talking to the camera that's fine you don't need this but if you kind of secretly deep down would like to be able to do it but these other things are getting in the way then let's try and work past those together because actually we we can't let other people's negative potential negative thoughts hold us back from doing things that are right for us or right for our business no it's so true it was a a struggle for me to begin with Uh, I mean I never even took a selfie really I hated doing it so talking to the camera was uh, a big kind of step that's huge yeah that is huge how did you find it um I think it was the fact that there were so many people popping up on my feed doing it gave me that encouragement I felt like yeah everybody else is doing it and they're okay and yeah I just I took it one small step at a time and it was um I mean yeah first few videos I had to do a few retakes (laughs) um and yeah it took a bit of time to get used to it but um yeah I eased myself into it and I think the more you do it it definitely gets easier so I think that's one thing to remember um is that yeah it does get easier the more you do it definitely and I think everyone does retakes even the pros do retakes you have to be BBC presenter level to never need to stop and start again of course of course yeah um so to change the subject a little bit um a while back you kind of bravely tweeted about um your earnings or your annual income um yeah and I know that that um had a big response from the online community um did you was it hard for you to talk about it was it hard to kind of put that out there it definitely felt very vulnerable um and quite scary Uh, But the response was amazing. I think I gained like two or three thousand Twitter followers just from that one tweet from it doing the rounds because people were celebrating it and and kind of celebrating that it was possible instead of trying to tear it down, which was lovely because that was obviously what I was afraid of. Um, And kind of that was my reason for wanting to do it was that thing we just spoke about earlier where it's hard sometimes to have the people in your life take what you're doing seriously because we don't see this, do we? I mean, you hear about the super duper YouTubers with gazillions of millions of followers and they make all kinds of money and that's fine. But what about people like you and me who have just got kind of a small business? They're doing it from their kitchen table. They've got a bit of a following. Like how do we turn that into a business that can make money? And is that real or is that just a pipe dream? Yeah, no, So I wanted to show. Yeah, it was absolutely inspirational to hear, um, to, to kind of see that it is, like you say, it is possible and it, and it, it can happen. It's just um, obviously you've put a lot of work into it and, and now you kind of, you can reap the rewards. Yeah, and I really do believe like it's possible for pretty much anyone like with the right support I think anyone can make a business and make it profitable if that's what they want to do um and sometimes finding that support is is the challenge oh my goodness these birds that's all right they're normally not this loud um finding that support can be a challenge absolutely but um it exists and then if I had known it was possible for me to be doing this I would have started so much sooner so a lot of my message is just about reminding other people that it's possible for them too and that all those doubts in their head that maybe hold them back and and not the concrete facts that they might feel like at the time yeah and you don't have to wait um perhaps 
as long yeah. as you are waiting to start exactly um and then the only kind of negative repercussion when I shared it on Instagram there was one person there's always that one person isn't there and it's always the same one person for me but she piped up and said how she thought it was very crass to talk about money um but for me I mean I didn't grow up with money my memory of growing up is my mum at the end of each month like writing on the back of an envelope trying to do all the maths to work out how we were going to be able to afford to pay everything yeah and whether then... she's got enough money left over until the right. next paycheck yeah exactly and like this where all the money's gone and that was the same you know through university I had to pay my way through uni and then working three jobs and then working for the NHS which never paid well and so for me money conversation has always been part of the day-to-day I think if you if money's been a problem then or if money's been kind of a, a necessity then you have to talk about it every day because it's that's how you survive so now we're more comfortable but I'm still really keen to keep talking about money in that way because I think there is too much stigma there is too much of this oh it's crass and it's dirty and people shouldn't talk about money but actually money is just a tool to get us what we want and if we can talk about it more freely and and kind of let go of some of the guilt and some of the fear I think it can become easier to work out where we're going wrong with it. Yeah, no, it seems to be a very difficult subject um, for most people. I think it's almost like this shameful topic that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it's a weird one. I don't really know why it's been that way. It's obviously been that way for many years, but I hope that kind of slowly it can um, become a more open conversation. I hope so too, and especially as more women kind of go into these uh, creative businesses you can't run a business without getting really hands-on with the finances of it you need to really understand the money that's coming in and the money that's going out and you can't do what I used to do what I know lots of us do and kind of hide from it because money is scary so talking about money the good and the bad is kind of always on my agenda yeah no it's important yeah as, as you say obviously with running your own business you've got to know what's happening um otherwise I mean things could go terribly wrong exactly yeah on top of that um so talking of money um and kind of um your source of income obviously you've got your online courses would you say kind of passive income is on the rise and is the kind of the way forward so I don't have any strictly passive income streams um because all of my courses have a community element and an element of me being in there and and maybe doing live question answers and talking to people. But that's purely because I'm a control freak and I like to have that connection with everyone who invests with in my business. So that's purely a choice. I could write something that was designed to be a passive income stream. And I know lots of people who do that really successfully, especially you see these kind of models of, of people with similar kind of business to mine, but they're turning over maybe a million. And that's how they're doing it. They've got these passive courses that you can sign up to and work your own way through. And, yeah, and they're not as engaged in that. Yeah, they don't have to be there for every part of it. So yes. they can put their energy somewhere else. So I think that's fantastic. And I think they're a really strong business model. But I've learned it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me for where I am right now. I like to just have a little bit of a hand in there um, and to to be able to keep that connection with my audience. Um, and I feel like I learn from that because those conversations I have with people taking my courses help me make the courses stronger and make them better so that I can keep kind of feeding it back into what I do. Yeah, and I think obviously you've built up such a huge community on Instagram and obviously your courses are very much a community too, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, they really are. Yeah. 
So it's important for you to kind of maintain that. Do you think you'll ever want to consider the kind of passive income route at all? I, I can totally see it being possible. And I think if I had the right idea, if it was the right course that could be delivered in that way and didn't need the the kind of uh, the added guidance of, of me and, and my TA being in there, then, yeah, I can totally picture doing it. Um, kind of the added complication for me is I have a chronic health condition called POTS that nobody's ever heard of, but it kind of, um, it's a little bit similar to chronic fatigue syndrome, um, but it's caused by problems with uh, your heart rate and various other things that go on. Um, so for me, I really need a business that I can do from home, you know, from my bed if need be, if I'm having a really rough week. Um, and that kind of doesn't require too much of me physically so I can do most of it just mentally so things like passive income may well come into play if my health goes worse for a little while if I have you know six months where I'm not able to work as much it might be that we make some changes and start making things that way so it's nice to have a business that you can build around your own kind of strengths and weaknesses like that and be able to be flexible as needed yeah absolutely and how are you kind of managing it at the moment are you what's your working week like what does it look like are you working kind of full full time ish or how does it look um I probably have sat at my desk about four or five hours a day and the rest of the time is spent doing bits and pieces on my phone here and there kind of usually lying down usually there's usually a nap somewhere in my working day just to keep my energy levels up dipping in and out a little bit Yep, definitely. And and I kind of I had my health was not so good over the last few months. So I withdrew from doing a lot of sponsored content and decided to just focus on just keeping my course and just putting the finishing touches to my book. So, um, you know, sometimes it's kind of you overcommit and then you realize and you have to pull things back. But I think that's just life. And that is just the realities of running a business, whether you've got a health problem or not. No, absolutely. I think it's um, kind of self-care is, is huge, um, hugely important when you run your own business, because as you say, you can overcommit and you um, perhaps at the beginning of the month, you've got all this energy and you're like, yeah, I can do all of this. Mm-hmm. But then later on, you actually realize, actually, I just it's just too much and it's kind of a little bit too late almost at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Time optimism where you think I can get all that done in oh, one yeah. day. Oh, That'll be fine. I've, I've done that many a time. <laughs> Um, so you've mentioned your book. Um, so are you able to tell us a little bit about that at all, or is it still I think a tiny strictly... bit? Okay, go for Publishers it. like to keep it all super secret. Yeah, they like to hold everything back until it's all officially announced. And but already. my my book will be out in January. That's so um, exciting. And yeah, it's kind of if you know what I do, if you're familiar with my work, then it won't be surprising the topic that it's about I can say that much um but yeah it's been it's been a real eye-opener writing a book um because in some ways it's almost less work than writing an e-course because I think in terms of word count if nothing else it's probably a bit lower but really would you say that wow um yeah well I I think so but definitely for my my longest my big e-course I think the amount of times I've had to rewrite it as well um but it's scary in different ways because a book it has to be done and it has to go out into the world and live as a whole completed thing that you and can't you can't change anything. yeah yeah and everything I've ever published really has been online in a way that I can go back and change it if need be even when I've written like things for magazines it's usually gone online and I could always email the editor if I really wanted to and get them to change it I suppose yeah. so this feels like oh okay it's got to be 
it's got to be perfect and it's got to be succinct and it's got to be finished so I'm sure it will be perfect <laughs> I can't wait to read it so um how how long did it take you to or, or how long have you been working on it I've been working on it for over a year because okay. all the photography is my own as well amazing uh, so and so yeah it's and kind of we've needed a year just to make sure we had like a full a full year's worth of seasons in there in the photography and kind of mm-hmm. something for everybody. So I'm really excited. And they gave me a mock-up of it with a cover on the last time I met up with them. And it did bring tears to my eyes to just hold it in my hands and think, oh, my goodness, this is going to be on shelves. I can imagine. And so going back to, say, 2012 or 2013 when you were just uh, on maternity leave, would you ever have dreamt that this would be... Is no. happening? Not a chance, no. I, I think I would have laughed a lot if anyone had even suggested it. Was it ever a dream of yours to write a yeah. book? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That was always on the list. But it was a dream that I never thought I'd even try to make yeah. happen. Like, it just felt like completely out of the scope of reality. And that's the thing. That's that's the thing that Instagram and, and building my business has taught me is that it's all possible. It really is all possible. And actually the thing that holds us back more than anything else is our own mindset and our own fear. So once you can get past that, you can start making stuff happen. I so agree. I'm still very much fighting my own fears with, with regards to stuff. But I think it's about taking those little steps and just pushing yourself a little bit further um, one step at a time. Exactly, just, definitely. Yeah, that is so we'll, we'll never reach the end. We'll never reach the end of our No, like, like you said at the beginning, there's always something else on the horizon, always another goal you're striving towards. Yeah, definitely. That is very, very exciting. I can't wait to obviously hear a little bit more about it soon, hopefully. Do you know when you'll be able to kind of uh, tell us a little bit more? I think when I'm thinking of timelines. I think it's probably going to be like October-ish. There should be a cover out. The title should be out and then I can start talking about it properly. That is so exciting. So with regards to the book, obviously, I'm assuming that's kind of one of the big goals to get it published. And then will you be doing a book tour, maybe? Yeah, I think that's on the cards, doing a little bit of a a travel round with it. So that should be fun as well, meet some people. Yeah, absolutely. So what other goals uh, business-wise do you have for the next 12 months? So my husband and I've had a real conversation about this because over the last 12 months, we've kind of doubled our revenue and the natural idea is, oh, we should double it again. And we've kind of had to sit down and I was like, I don't know if we do want to double it again. I think maybe my goal for the next 12 months is to keep things where they are and grow in different ways and, and maybe take back a bit of freedom from the business because I have been working like over the last couple of years, I've been working at the expense of pretty much everything else. So maybe taking a little bit of my foot off the gas pedal and and enjoying what we have a little bit more is possibly one of my goals. Although now I've said that out loud, that sounds terrifying. So maybe not. (laughs) Well, it is terrifying, isn't it? I completely relate to that. But I think sometimes, obviously, like you say, you've been working hard for the last year. Um, You've been writing your book, you've been running your courses, all these different things. So maybe, yeah, maybe just enjoying your time, spending more time with Orla or just, yeah, just just enjoying life. (laughs) seeing what else comes along I've just um started writing a column for a magazine called in the moment so that's every month now um I'm hoping there's a second book I'm researching for a fiction project actually at the moment um that I'm talking to a couple of people about so you've got Uh, your hands busy (laughs) so there's stuff there's stuff in the works yeah but um it feels exciting and it feels like just lots of possibility instead of lots of commitments and that's quite nice that's yeah that must feel very good 
Um, so do you have any words of wisdom for those just starting out on their kind of journey of self-employment? Yeah, I think one of the most important things you can do is to really figure out your own unique slant on things and the the why the reason that you're doing this and the reason that you're doing it differently to everybody else you can see so many people online who start off by emulating other people's success and, and imagining that that's like a shortcut or a route to success yeah that's quite easily done isn't it so easily done and I think there's nothing wrong with kind of borrowing and trying on different identities and even copying a little bit here and there as you figure out what feels right for you mm. but you need to really be honest with yourself at the heart about what it is you're building and why like I have so many people come and take my courses and they say oh my goal is to get more Instagram followers and then I really have to push them and say well why what do you want them for like what are you gonna do with them when you have those followers where does it go next um and the sooner you can figure that out the better your the more uh appropriate your growth is going to be because you could set off like an example is you could set off in the direction of a fashion blogger and be sharing your outfits and build an audience for that but if your real why is that you want to share your like healthy eating recipes with the world and help people eat better the audience you've built is not going to be the same as the audience that you need for those healthy eating recipes no absolutely you're so right um does your course kind of help with that would you say uh working out (laughs) Yeah, so that's one of the things we really focus on right at the beginning is kind of what is it that you want to do? How how does that look? And how will you measure it? How do you know if you're going in the right direction? Oh, that's um, so interesting. Yeah, because it's it's so easy to overlook. And especially when you start making things, I think a lot of us will start our own businesses out of necessity. Um, maybe you're in that situation of, crap, I don't want to go back to full-time work out of the house. I've had a kid or whatever it is. Mm. I need some money. I'm only going to have to start selling stuff. So you start from there. And then you never really leave that emergency state. You never stop and go, hang on, I need a plan now. I need to sit down and think about where I want to be in a year and how I get there and what little action steps I can take every day to get there. No, that's the thing. I think once you're in the business, it's very hard to kind of detach yourself and actually take a step back and think, why is this all happening? Yeah, yeah. And do I want it? Is this the direction I wanted to go in? And being brave enough sometimes to put hit the brakes and say this isn't the right direction. I'm going to pivot and go somewhere else. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps you need to change direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So to end the um, episode, um, I ask all of my guests two questions. Do you have a favourite book you would like to recommend that you've recently read? I've just finished reading um, The Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday. Okay, I've which heard is, of that one. Yeah, the title doesn't sound very grabby, I don't think, but it's about <laughs> creating something that lasts forever um, instead of creating something that lasts just now and is, is popular now and then burns fast and bright. So like creating a, a classic book, for example, instead of like a Fifty Shades of Grey type book that's popular for a summer and then forgotten. Um, that's kind of the model, but it's for all businesses. And, but it's a really, it's one of those books where you're underlining like something every page because it's just so gripping and so right and so many light bulb moments. So that sounds really, yeah. really interesting. I'll definitely be adding that to my list. Um, and who would you like to hear interviewed on this podcast? Is there anyone perhaps that? Obviously, I, I'm very much aware that you run your own podcast too, so I'm sure. <laughs> well, I think you should talk to Seth Petherick. So that's the coach I mentioned. Yes. She has her own podcast as well, actually. But um, 
I think you should definitely talk to her and get more of her backstory and just her insights into self-doubt because I've had her on my podcast and I, I just get so much out from hearing so much from hearing her talk and I'm sure your listeners will as well yeah that sounds great well thank you so so much for joining me today it was a pleasure to talk to you you too um, thank and you I can't wait to see the front cover for the book uh, and hear more about it <laughs> thank you This is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I would be really grateful if you could subscribe over on iTunes and leave a rating so that other female creatives can enjoy this podcast too. I'll see you next week.